Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. This week, we are sitting down and hanging out with Jay Croft. Uh, Jay specializes in writing content and creating content for the 50-plus fitness and health uh, folks out there for gyms, clubs, and for those of us who are consumers. Now, he and I had an absolutely fabulous conversation. We really uh, went deep here. We talked a little bit uh, about uh, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's role in fitness. We also talked about uh, being aspirational and the importance of missing workouts. That's right, the importance of missing workouts. Uh, how fitness is not a binary option, and thus the title of today's podcast, as well as things to look for in a personal trainer or coach when you are going to the gym uh, or a fitness location. So we covered a lot and and we even talked a little bit about uh, the finance side of things. And this is a a conversation I'm going to have with a professional later in a a podcast episode here. I actually have an accountant who's going to come on uh, because our sports of cycling and triathlon are not cheap. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in more detail. But Jay and I touch on this, uh, and it is a fantastic podcast episode, and I'm really, really excited to bring this here. I think a lot of you are going to find a ton of value here. Now, before we get into the interview with Jay, a couple quick housekeeping items. As we get into September, this is when most people are thinking traditionally about strength training for cycling and endurance. Now, if that is you, uh, maybe you're new to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast or the HV training family, and that's totally okay. But I want you to know that strength training should not be done year-round. And in fact, this paradigm that we have in our mind is fairly outdated. And Jay and I today even talk about how fitness is relatively new. Uh, And that kind of leads to how these old ideas kind of get stuck in our heads. You should be strength training year-round, but as you hear Jay and I talk about today, body weight, bands, even kettlebells at home can be fantastic ways to get started uh, if you're 40-plus and just getting into strength training. If this is you, I have a number of options to help you be able to get started in a safe manner that will help you learn your body better, move more comfortably, have better balance, stability, strength, and build your resiliency, not break you down. The first is my book, which is going to be released here October 8th, 2021, the second edition of Strength Training for Cycling Performance. This book includes three year-round strength training programs, which are geared to help you be able, wherever you are in your fitness and strength training journey, be able to start strength training for cycling performance, be it living, uh, riding longer and living a more comfortable life, not feeling like you have T-Rex arms trying to get the, the coffee mug out of the cupboard in the morning, or you want to have a healthy, strong, resilient back with good posture. The book is fantastic. It is set up just for you to be able to take whatever you need out of it and get expert results fast, but it's going to take some work. And Jay and I talk about this today with the consistency you're going to need, and that is the program in the book is going to give you. Now, if you're somebody who wants something a little bit more hands-on or a little bit more detailed, 
I do have my 60-day movement mastery program. This is a all-bodyweight program, and it is going to challenge you to learn to connect with your body for better stability, strength, power, and performance overall without using really any extra things at all. I think we use a water bottle or two during and that's it. But it's going to challenge you unlike any other strength training program out there. So if you're looking to get started, and it is September, whether or not you're a master's athlete, those are the best options. If you want something a little bit more in depth, or you want to learn a lot more on your journey, my Big Gear Blueprint is now open for enrollment. This is a live weekly video call where you and up to nine other of your associates, and when I say associates, I mean cyclists and triathletes just like you, are going to get a live call with me to break down exercises, answer your questions, and learn a little bit more about the world of strength training for cyclists and endurance athletes. If you're interested, go ahead and email me, Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E, at humanvortextraining.com. Now, don't worry. I don't expect you to remember that. That is in the show description, so you can copy and paste it. Show me an email and put Big Gear Blueprint as the uh, title, and we'll get on the phone. We'll just have a phone call. I mean, that's so rare these days, right? Send me an email, and I'll give you a phone call or set one up. I want to talk to you and get to know you and make sure that this is, in fact, the right program for you. If that 10-minute phone call goes well, guess what? We'll jump on and schedule a longer 30 to 45-minute call so I can learn about you and your specific needs and the results you're after. Because the Big Gear Blueprint, while it is a group call live every single week, and don't worry if you can't make it, it's recorded so you can watch it at your leisure or go back and replay it and rewind it and go through again. We're going to make sure it is a personalized program. So it is a group coaching, but 100% personalized program. So you're going to get lots of results out of this, and it's really going to help you fast forward your abilities on the bike and with your strength training. Without much further ado, let's get into today's episode, number 109, with Jay Croft of PrimeFitContent.com. This is a good one. Make sure you've got your notebooks ready, because we're going to cover a lot of great points for all of you Masters athletes out there. Let's get to it. Jay, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. And it's great to have you, man. Uh, I've been listening to your stuff uh, off and on here for about a year, year and a half, and you've got some really great content. Uh, But before we get into that, do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about yourself and and your fitness journey? Oh, sure. Happy to. Let's see. Um, Let's see. I I started, uh, I'm 57 years old now. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I started working out in college. When I was in college in um, in 1984, a rock star, Bruce Springsteen, came came out with a new album called Born in the USA. It was in the days of MTV, so how they looked was more important than it was before. And he had started weightlifting. So he went from this skinny, scrawny Jersey boy to this really buff, muscular dude. And I thought, I want to do that because I'd always been the shortest kid in school and the thinnest kid in class and, you know, very self-conscious about it. So I figured, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I was 20, I guess, when I started exercising. And I'd never been a bodybuilder or a competitor or a trainer, but I've always gone to the gym and been in various stages of fitness, ranging from... I'm in great shape too. Well, I've been busy lately, so not so good. You know, like everybody, right? Um, And then when I turned 50, um, things started changing as they do 
first my body started changing, my metabolism slowed down, I started to get thicker around the middle, uh, I was sleeping more. And it was just interesting that it all kind of happened all, all at once. And I don't mean anything catastrophic, but just, you know, where you notice that you're getting older. And um, around that time, I, I also was ready for a career change. I'm a writer. I spent most of my career as a newspaper reporter and editor at daily newspapers in the United States. And about 10 years ago, daily newspapers started to wither on the vine because of the internet and smartphones and all that. So um, I went into corporate work, work doing marketing and corporate communications for some giant global corporations that are based here in Atlanta. Quickly tired of that, found it very unfulfilling. And so I thought, well, what can, I, what can I write about that's interesting to me that I care about? Right around that same time is when I, my body started changing and I noticed that, that <laughs> um, marketing was no longer directed at me. Fitness marketing was no longer directed at me. And, and I thought, well, on the one hand, I get it because you, know, you want 25-year-old boys to come in and throw heavy weight around. But on the other hand, you're missing an opportunity here because I have more time and more money to spend on your business. And, um, and I bet you that that's happening all over the place. So I looked into it a little bit, found out that indeed my generation and people older than I am are almost completely ignored by the fitness industry. And it does, doesn't make any sense because we have time and money, which when I was 25 years old, I was broke and working two jobs and trying to get started. A lot of people are married with babies and you know, you don't have, that much time, but by the time you're at or near retirement, you do have more time and money on your hands. And so I think we're better, people in this age group are better customers. I found some gyms trying who agreed with that and wanted help in communicating their message to their communities. And I helped them do that. I started a business called Prime Fit Content, where I provide marketing content for Facebook, emails, and blogs to gyms and studios that want to reach people over 50. So kind of found a way to, after all those years of, you know, everything from, from being a scrawny teenager and being impressed by a Bruce Springsteen to being a newspaper reporter and then thinking, eh, what am I going to do? And then I saw this, this need in the marketplace. So I'm trying to fill that. So it sounds like a true reinvention, not once, but twice. So both from a, a professional career and a personal side of things as well. Well, I reinvented myself when I was 20, that's for sure. I think a lot of people do at college mm-hmm. because it's sort of your chance to say, wait, that was, you know, it's now I'm, I'm finally going to try on some different attitudes or identities or whatever. And, you know, some people get crazy haircuts or go through a punk rock phase or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I just started lifting weights. But, um, but for a newspaper reporter, that was pretty radical to, to be uh, interested in fitness. And then, yeah, I did have to reinvent myself because uh, forces beyond my control, the communications technology completely obliterated my industry. And, um, and you know, thousands and thousands of journalists had to find a new way to make a living. And I was one of them. Uh, so I've been very fortunate to, you know, I kind of followed my heart and, and also the the numbers because um, this is a great opportunity. Anybody out there who's wondering why would I want to train old people? 
why would I want old people involved in my business? Well, open your ears. We're going to cover a lot of that. And uh, it's mainly to make a great deal of money. Well, what's interesting about that, a lot of people have this impression of, of me as having all these top, top level athletes, which I'm very flattered. A lot of it has to do with the information I'm sharing and who I'm working with. Uh, and certainly I, I do, but a large majority, uh, the vast majority really of those I'm working with are age uh, 45 to 70 and are very interested in riding more comfortably longer, uh, not feeling like they have Tyrannosaurus Rex arms when they go to reach for their coffee mug in the morning. And they're just sick and tired of these aches and pains when cycling is supposed to be low impact, or they're looking to get into triathlon. Uh, and, and something that, that you hit on here is the importance of uh, this age group. And I think that a lot of people have misjudged honestly, the importance of health to those age 45 to 60. We see a lot of people, you know, uh, the Roth IRA is very new, 1998. So we have a, that, that first generation that really had an opportunity in their summer earning years and having a, a retirement to go to and are healthier and living longer than anyone ever before really need great quality information. But exactly what you said, and, and uh, this is a uh, happenstance. It really is. Uh, about three weeks ago, we, or I, uh, did episode 110, which will be the one after this, which is strength training for cyclists and triathletes, uh, masters age 50 plus. And oh, good. just, it just happened to, to work out this way. And it's funny because exactly what you said is what drew me to that. Cause I was getting email after email, uh, from listeners here or people who read the newsletter or found me on YouTube saying, you know, I really like how you explain what not to do because I found these great strength training programs for triathletes or cyclists, but it's just for someone much, many more years, my junior, I just don't have the resiliency or the ability to, to strength train three days a week and then go run and bike. How did we get to this point where such a, a massive and important segment of our, our population has been either neglected or forgotten? Is it because Instagram and social media is now driving the flywheel of, of sales? Or is it people are like, oh, we're stuck in this paradigm of when you're 50, you want to retire and lay around the pool all day. What, where did we get lost here as a society? That is a great question. And, and we could talk about that all day because it's really interesting. Uh, you know, as a writer and as a journalist, this is the kind of thing that I can just dive into and, and read about and listen to and talk about all day long. So there's no simple answer, but it's all very interesting, I think. Um, first of all, we have to remember that the whole fitness industry is new. Uh, when did it start? 40s, 50s, maybe, and even maybe it started in the 50s. It was very fringe. You know, you, you look at those old muscle magazines. It, this was not mainstream. This was kind of a a niche, niche, niche thing that hadn't yet permeated the, the mainstream. There weren't gyms in every community, let alone in every strip mall, like there have been for decades now. And um, it really wasn't a part of the lifestyle. And then in the 70s and 80s, running took off. Running became a fad in the late 70s of celebrities and ordinary people as well. And there was a huge book called The Big Book of Running, which was sort of like the Harry Potter. It was so popular. It was everywhere you went. You saw this big red book. I can see it right now. It was, you couldn't escape it. And then Jane Fonda came along with her videotapes, right as every, in that 
the timing was amazing because it was right when everybody got their first VCRs. And um, so you could record shows, but you could also watch pre-recorded tapes. And, and so it's kind of like the, this combination of things. And then shortly after that, Nautilus clubs started appearing in every, you know, every few miles, there was a Nautilus club or a knockoff of a Nautilus club. And they even made a bad John Travolta movie about it called Perfect. So, you know, it's become legit when they make a bad John Travolta movie about it. All that was 35 years ago, okay? When I was, again, when I was in college. Prior to then, people didn't exercise much. They drank a lot more than we, than we do now. They smoked a lot more cigarettes than we do now. Their diets were probably not as good. Um, and the expectation was that you worked somewhere till you were 60 or 65, and then you retired, and then you died in 10 years, right? Um, well, that's just not how we live anymore. So you started, you fast forward now, and we've got decades of fitness being a part of our culture and our lifestyles. People are living older, uh, living longer, uh, living healthier, and wanting to enjoy their lives for as long as possible. And we are beginning to see that the industry and the population in general is only beginning to understand that fitness can have a, a role in that. We tend to think of going to the gym or lifting weights as being things for young boys who wanna have big muscles. You know, 25 year old guys posing in front of the mirror and loud music playing and dropping the weights on the floor and all of that. That's what a lot of people my age and over think of because they don't have, I don't think anyone 30 years old thinks that because they've grown up with fitness. But anyone much older than I am, you say lifting weights or going to the gym and they think of that. What we need to do is show them that being strong through resistance training and that having endurance through cardio training and having flexibility are important to help them live the lives that they want to live autonomously to do whatever they want i write about people all the time who do amazing athletic achievements like running triathlons um my sister is three years older than i am she's 60 she's an ironman triathlon she's incredible um and i go to her events i run a couple of sprint triathlons myself so i've, I've dabbled in triathlon and there's a lot of older people in that you know, it's, it's because it's a great thing to do. Why not? Well, there are also people in this age demographic who do not want to run a triathlon, who don't want to run a 10K, who don't particularly have any great ambition or, or exceptional ambition. Maybe they want to play with their grandchildren. They want to be able to get on the floor and play with the grandbaby and stand up. I mean, think about that. Think about that. You're 60 years old. You can't get down on the floor to play with your grandbaby. Well, if he comes to see a fitness professional, that fitness professional can get him to where he can play with his grandbaby and not throw out his back. Or they can travel or they can um, get off some medications. You know, that's something that the older we get, we tend to want to take a pill for everything. And through smart exercise, we can reduce our reliance on a lot of prescriptions. I could go on, but the point is we're living longer. We want to live better lives and we need to make it clear to people that exercise at the gym will improve your performance in everything from ordinary daily life, like bringing in the groceries to running triathlons. 
Well, you, you touched on quite a few points here, and, and I'm going to touch on one, and, and I've kind of been putting it off, but I, I think I do need to bring it in. And, and, and I have a, a guest. I've kind of been going back and forth with him. He's a, a, an accountant, and I think you'll understand where I'm going with this because a, a large number of those that I work with, and again, most of my, my clients and those that I, I talk with are 50 to 65. That's the vast majority of them, really the vast, vast majority and a lot of them are at the point in life where they can spend a lot of money on equipment, like new bikes, top of the line, you yeah. know, we think better, more is better, fancier is better. But then, you know, a year or two later, after they've done this event or two, we get into the life stress side of things. And as you and I know, stress can completely torpedo everything. So we have folks in their fifties who at the time have the income or the money that they can spend, but then they're not, um, putting enough away into either their HSA uh, tax shield uh, uh, health savings account or into their retirement. And then it's a conversation of, well, I really need a coach right now because, you know, we worked together when I first started, I went away. Now I have a couple nagging injuries, but I'm worried about my retirement funds. So there's so many different things at that, that, that level of life, the experiences you had, the, the, postures and positions. You're talking about getting up and down off the floor with the grandkids. I've actually talked to more cyclists and triathletes in their thirties who have debilitating lower back pain when they're on their floor with their kids, sharp pain, numbness, tingling, loss of sensation uh, that refuse to acknowledge it than those in their fifties and their forties. There's a very big, I don't have back pain. I'm, I'm only in my thirties. It's not that big of a deal. I can still ride my bike. I can still run. I can just run six miles. So maybe we'll do a half Ironman instead of an Ironman without pain. What's the point of all this is that it's not just about health at that age. Uh, you know, and when I say that age, we're talking 40. That's, that's the cutoff. Okay. It's about where are you now and how do you build your body? Not as the 25 year old that you mentioned, but how do you build it so that not only are you doing the Ironman or the uh, triathlon now, but like your sister, 9, 10, 15, 20 years later, you still have a working, functioning body because yeah. the rules change, right? Your body does not respond the same way to training. That is true. <laughs> That's easy for you to say, but I, I'm going through it and it's, it's very true. My approach is just kind of interesting. I don't want to be 25 again. There were some things about being 25 that I prefer, you know, sure. I didn't have crow's feet under my eyes and I could go a lot longer without needing rest and all of that. But, you know, so what? You, you get over it. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with my 57-year-old body right now, thinking about my 77-year-old body. And if I'm lucky enough, beyond that. Um, so I guess it, it sort of requires people to be a little aspirational, you know, to, to realize that um, we're all going to get older and that there's nothing wrong with getting older. You can do that, you can make that adjustment in your head and in your heart, however you want to. And it gets very complicated when we talk about finances because there's no one size fits all for how ready you are to retire, how, freely you can go to Hawaii for the Ironman event, how freely you can buy the new bike because it's pretty, whatever, I don't know. But the, the main things I think to keep in mind, you know, as we age are to think about that long-term. Um, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine 
plays tennis just for fun. It's his sport. And uh, he's 56 years old and his body's getting banged up and his back hurts and all these things, but he loves to play tennis. So he called me up the other day and he said, I played tennis all day today and I'm worn out, but I'm supposed to play tomorrow too. What can I do to recover today? And I said, well, I'm sorry. It's not an aspirin that you take. You know, it's a, you have to incorporate it into your daily life and into your workout routine and, and getting up to the financial end of it. You've got to incorporate all of that into your workout routine too. How much can I spend on this? How much do I want to spend on this? What's the expectation here? Um, and so when you, when you look at the pieces of that in the big picture and you try to project a little bit, I think you have to build it in, bake it into the whole thing, accepting that you're now whatever age you are. Maybe you have gone through some challenges, you've had a hip replacement or something like that. Um, and whatever your goals are, they might be different. You know, when, when I was 20, I wanted to look like Bruce Springsteen. Well, right now, you know, I just want to enjoy my life and, and sleep well at night and not get overweight because it happens to a lot of men at my age. You know, the goals change and that's okay. We have this odd obsession with thinking that what we wanted at 20 or 30 is the thing that we should always want. And I don't feel that way. I, I think it's kind of a, a self-defeating way to, to, to mature, you know, enjoy your life for what you are now and uh, evaluate where you are now and figure out how to get where, you know, where you want to be. So it's a little airy fairy, I know, a little, little in the clouds. But I think if you bake into your training routine or your regimen or whatever it is for triathlon or anything, you need to bake in recovery on an ongoing basis so that you're sleeping enough and you're um, getting enough water and eating well. To me, those are the core principles of recovery. We can talk about some of the crazier stuff that might or might not work, might or might not be helpful. Uh, some people want to spend the money on it. If you want to spend money on infrared pajamas because Tom Brady sells them, then I'm not going to tell you not to spend your money on that. I am going to tell you it's not essential. You don't have to do that. So, but you do have to get enough sleep and drink enough water and eat a decent diet and you know proceed thusly. So my friend who, who was playing tennis and was, wanted to recover immediately for the next day, he never stretches. He uh, eats a lot of meat. Um, he sleeps okay. He doesn't pay, drink any water throughout the day. I, we'll be out spending the day together and I'm constantly drinking water and he never does. Um, you know, being older, requires a little more diligence, a little more responsibility. When you're 25, you can get away with anything, but you can't by the time you're 55. So you just have to, to be more aware, I think. Sorry, I know that went off rambling. You can ask me a more pointed follow-up question if it would help, if it would help. No, no. So that's, the question was, was like that on purpose and the folks at home can't see my, my notebook, but I have like two or three arrows going here because <laughs> I wanted to tie to, together a couple of things that I had read from yours. So I was trying to, to see where you, you are now. And a lot of it, the reason I mentioned the retirement account is because there is, in this population of 40 plus, they're so fast to spend money on the recovery boots, on the infrared pajamas, on the shakes, on this, on that. 
and it comes at an expense to later. And, and I want to try and set the tone here. So my, my motive here for the rest of the listeners here, uh, every show has a theme. And this one is to look at your fitness at the age of 40 plus as an investment in yourself and not to drain your financial investment, whether or not you have a million dollars for retirement or not, doesn't matter. It's you don't need the fanciest bike. You don't need the infrared pajamas. You don't need the compression boots. What you do need is what my mentor and, and first coach and, and a couple others after uh, have said, and, and Doc Alkoff, may, may he rest in peace. Um, Brody, at 52, I don't give a crap about the good days or the bad days I come into the gym. I worry about the days that I feel good coming into the gym because you know I'm going to do something stupid. And that's a complete different mentality versus when you're 30 or, or 20, where I am excited when I feel good. And he, Doc, first planted that because I, I said to him, you're moving well today. Why don't you load up? You're, every time I come in, you know, I'm a 17-year-old punk at that point. And, and he's teaching me all the, the philosophies about strength training. And I had learned from him, on a good day, you push. But for him, I see, see him moving well. It's coming out really fast. I'm like, why don't you go heavier? Why don't you do more? And that was his response. And essentially, he's saying, hey, at the age of 50, the rules to the game change. I'm worried the days I do feel good because I'm going to do too much. And then I'll be like your friend uh, playing tennis where now I can't recover. So it's, it's more of sticking to the plan and recognizing on bad days, come in, do the work you can. And then give yourself that recovery time. It's not the $50,000 bike or the $10,000 pajamas or whatever it may be. It's that slow, consistent uh, investment in self and showing up and doing the work. That's right. And being uh, consistency is the number one thing uh, to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You know, that thing, it, it's so liberating when you rely on consistency. It allows you to have a pizza on a Saturday night and not feel like you ruined your diet. It allows you to miss a couple of days of training because you had a killer migraine and you really needed to stay in bed. You know, whatever, whatever. We don't. We get so caught up, I think, in thinking that to pursue our goals or to achieve excellence, we have to be militaristic about it. And um, and that is, I think, self defeating for most people. So if you adopt this idea of well, over time. I've got this over, you know, I might, today's workout might be kind of light, but over this week, I'm hitting my marks over the month. I'm taking care of business. Right. Yeah. Well, let, let's dive into that because that that's a big problem. And I, and it is a capital P problem for cyclists and triathletes of this okay. mentality of every month or every year, I need to have a personal best. If I'm doing this intensity in my training, the rules change over 40. I mean, you just said, if you miss a couple workouts for a migraine, it's okay. Can you talk a little bit about how the mentality towards missing or skipping workouts should change to help you be able to stay on track? Yeah, I think it's just part of a bigger mindset, not just missing an occasional workout or even having a good excuse like a debilitating migraine or, or what have you. But it's more of a mindset that, acknowledges that this is not a binary question. This is not do all of these things every single day and you will be fit or miss any of them and you will never be fit. You're a failure, so just quit and sit on the couch and eat more ice cream. Those are not the choices. The choices are not win the Olympic gold medal in triathlon or binge every show on Netflix with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. That's not it. You know, what, what are your goals? What, how do you want to mature in a healthy and independent way that's going to meet your lifestyle and your desired lifestyle? 
It might not have anything to do with sports. It might, I don't know. That's up to, to you know, each individual. But the key, I think, is just to um, stay the course and be consistent and not freak out every time there's a bump in the road. Because of course there's gonna be a bump in the road. I mean, unless this is the number one most important thing in your world, you're gonna miss. You know, someone who's having, who's, who has kids still, well, the kid might get sick or might have a problem at school that requires you to miss the gym or your boss might give you a hard time if you take off early or on and on and on. We all know how hard it is to sometimes to do everything that we want to do. So lighten up. I guess that's the, the thing is, you know, lighten up and rely on the decisions that you've made and the approaches that you've taken. Um, and, and focus on consistency. Okay, fasten your seatbelts. You're listening to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with Coach Menachem Brody. Don't forget to subscribe. So before we, we jumped on the, the recording here, uh, you had mentioned, you know, your writing and your focus is not only on those who have been uh, active and, and had some level of fitness between active and meh uh, to those who are not, not active. Now they're getting into their 50s, 60s, 70s and going, the alarm bells are going off and going, hey, I got to take care of this body because I got a lot of stuff I still want to do. That's right. How do we, how does the mentality change or not change between those uh, two different uh groups, those who are just getting into shape, who maybe can go out and wind up running a, a world record time of five, for a 10K, and they've never run before the age of 70, versus those who have been active all the time and maybe are a little bit dinged up, you know, life has, has kind of taken a little bit out of their body. What, what's the same mentality? What should people be thinking of as the same, regardless of the group? And what are the differences uh, they should have? That's interesting. Hmm. Well, let me get, let me, let me see if I can work my way to what's similar and what's different. I think if you're just starting, if you're someone who's now, let's just say 60 years old, I just doesn't have to be 60, it could be 72. I don't care, a little bit older. And like most people, you spent the last 40 years raising children and going to a job and keeping a house. You didn't have time or interest in going to the gym. You were younger, you could do what you wanted. You know, you had other priorities and now you're, you have all this time on your hands and the kids are gone and maybe you're not working as much and, um, and you can't do the things you wanna do. So you realize I need to go to the gym. I might even need to hire a trainer. That can be very difficult for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. It can be intimidating, you know, to, to walk into a gym the first, uh, first time can be very intimidating for people who have never done it before. So that's the first difference is just the idea that I walk into it, if I'm out of town, I go find the nearest gym, I walk in, it doesn't matter to me, I'm comfortable. Not everybody can do that. They're gonna walk to their neighborhood gym and, and feel like a freak. They're gonna be self-conscious. They're gonna think everyone else knows what they're doing and I don't. And, I don't know how to use that machine over there. And it's, it's, I've written about it and called it gym intimidation before. 
So, you know, this idea that it's just overwhelming. So there's that. Um, those, that, that group also needs to have some, I think, clear objectives. That doesn't mean super specific, but something clear like, you know, I wanna lose, I wanna lose a certain amount of weight. That's always a popular concept. But by the time you're at this age, maybe you, you, your goals are more practical. You know, you want to be able to do the activities of daily living more, with more confidence to bring in the groceries, to put the groceries on the high shelf, to you know, do housework, to garden. Gardening is hard work. If you've never gardened, I dare you to try it. That's, you think it's for little old ladies, it's hard. So, um, and think about, you know, what is your why? Why am I doing this thing that I've never done before? Why am I going to this place and doing this thing? And I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe it's fun. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But the thing that will get you through it and keep you going is having a powerful why. Why am I doing this? I am doing this because I'm starting to have grandchildren. I want to be the fun grandma. I don't want to be the boring grandma that the kids never want to play with. That's fantastic. Maybe I want to, you know, compete in my age bracket at the next triathlon. That's good too. Um, doesn't really matter. It's, each, it's just that you need to have something that, that keeps you going. And for the people who are more used to it, you know, um, they're less shy, they're less nervous, but sometimes I think, uh, I, you know, they might have some, um, limitations that they need to be aware of. Maybe they've had a hip replacement or they've had a surgery or something. That doesn't mean they can't do anything. It doesn't mean they're not the same athlete that they used to be. It just means things are different. So it's just sort of taking stock of yourself and saying, okay, things are a little different here. You know, what, what, what can I be doing? I, I like to try something new every year, every, you know, for three months, I'll go to a CrossFit class or I'll go to uh, I haven't done bar yet, but I'd like to try that. Just something different, just to see, well, maybe I like this. Maybe I like that. You know, go back to yoga every once in a while, just to mix it up because I want to see how my changing body responds to different things. So I, I, along with that, you, you it's very clear, uh, and I'd encourage uh, folks to head over to Prime Fit uh, Pro. Is that right? Prime, for, Prime, Prime Fit Pro? Content is my content. business and my podcast is optimal aging. Right. Sorry. Uh, I had that in the notes, but I'm trying to do two things at once. The folks at home can't see that, but you use this, you clearly know your audience very well. Uh, you use a lot of the exact same verbiage. Uh, I do surveys every now and again with the HV training newsletter. Uh, and you touched on a number of things, uh, prehab to counteract the cycling position to prevent overuse injuries as I, uh, get older, uh, not lose if, if possible gain, but I'm 50. So there's that mentality you were just talking about where, you know, they've, they've been in the gym before they, they don't want to lose, um, strength without adding bulk. Uh, I'm over 50. I don't want to get heavier. So there's a number of different resilience. There's a number of different considerations that are at the forefront of those who are, are you know, it seems to be 50, not 40, 55, maybe. Where yeah. is it because of those, those physiological changes and you're more aware of it? Yeah. Or, or is it more of, we're just seeing that the vast majority, like you talked about earlier of the, the fitness content is not geared towards those really over the age of 35. I mean, if we're honest about it, it's really 20 to 35, this is your stuff. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, to me, I, I think it's a couple of things. One is, well, I say 50 and up. The Functional Aging Institute says 55 and up. Um, some people might say 60, I, whatever. I think it doesn't, I don't know that we need to put too fine a point on it, but I think 40 is probably younger than what I'm talking about because at 50 or 55, your body's changing and so is your life. First, your body is changing and that women are going, have gone through or are going through menopause. So that's gonna play havoc with their hormones, right? Well, I shouldn't say that, I'm no expert on menopause. Maybe it doesn't play havoc on them, but it certainly changes. Oh, oh it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with men, we start to produce less testosterone. And then also all people lose, pro lose uh, muscle mass as we age, starting in somewhere in our 30s, we lose a significant amount of muscle mass as we age every decade if we don't um, lift weights basically to, to counteract that or practice yoga or some other form of resistance training. So there are some things that happen in our 50s that, are, um, that make it a compelling cutoff point for me. And then also in your life, it's just, that's about when you, your, your kids are probably gone. You, you might be starting to have grandchildren. You're either retired or it's coming up close. You might be working less than you used to. Money is not as much of an option. You know, I mean, as much of a, a headache. Uh, I know that that's not true for everyone and none of this is. I certainly don't mean to be like making blanket statements, but if you're you know, a young family, you might be a little more worried about every dollar you're taking in and spending than by the time you're retiring, maybe you're more comfortable with your, maybe the mortgage is paid and the car's paid for and you're on a pension or you're spending your retirement savings, what have you. So to me, it's those, it's, it's kind of that, those two things, our bodies change and then our, our lifestyles change. But you hit on uh, two important things here, and, and we've actually covered this a little bit, uh, but we'll dive deeper here. So episode 71, we had uh, Selene Yeager, who is the uh, host of the Live Feisty podcast for females uh, um, post-menopause and that are going through. Uh, fantastic interview. Uh, and episode 30, is triathlon actually healthy? And the two things you touched on are the hormonal changes. So I've, I've spoken many other times on the podcast here about the internal environment. And that tends to go over the head of most people, but you're talking about, you start to really notice that. So the age of 30, 30, 35, men losing muscle mass, if you're not doing resistance training. Um, I know a number of the, the regular listeners here will have heard me saying, I'm not a fan of stretching. Uh, that for that's for most folks under the age of 50. Once you get to 50, there is a, a time and a place for it. Certainly uh, when you're, you're starting to feel life's effects, there is definitely a time for it. Um, but it's also finding this happy balance. And you touched on something at the beginning of your answer there, Jay, that I think is, is uh, unsaid. Uh, and at least the light bulb went off for me here. And that is when you're new to the gym and you walk in, especially, you know, uh, you haven't been there most of your life, whether it's 30, 40, 50, 70, you feel out of sorts. And there's almost this expectation as an adult, I should know what I'm doing, or I don't want to embarrass myself. And for a lot of the, the feedback on the surveys I've done here, many masters athletes want body weight and band exercises. And to me, that says two things. One is they're worried about injury. Two is it sounds like they're also intimidated about going into the gym. So mm. if, if that's the case, we know that there's an, an, an internal environment change. 
And this is something real. Men and women go through it, different, extreme, uh, different extremes. And we have to get to resistance training. What are some things, what are one or two warning signs that our listeners should look for when they are looking for a strength coach or a personal trainer to work with them uh, and, and, and where they are? Okay. Well, um, first of all, everybody loses muscle mass after starting in their 30s. It's not just men, women too. And that's important to say because women have, again, not speaking of blanket statements, but a lot of women in this age group have, don't have a lot of understanding about what muscle training is and what resistance training is. And I often hear people say, I don't want to get big and bulky, to which I say, Young men work really, really hard for a long time to get big and bulky. You're not going to get big and bulky doing this exercise pattern. You just promise you're not. So if we educate them on what strength does, then perhaps they start to see why they need to participate in it. And the bottom line for me is that, you know, resistance training, which includes weights and resistance bands and yoga and body weight, doesn't, doesn't really matter what it is, just so that there's some resistance there on the muscle. Um, that keeps you stronger and being stronger keeps you from falling. And falling is the number one fear that we all have about getting old, that of, and dementia. And exercise is good for both of those things, but it's definitely good for, for, to prevent falling. Weightlifting, resistance training also improves your muscle, your bone, density. So if you do have a fall, you're less likely to have a fracture. So we think that, you know, we just need to make it clear to people that's the value of weightlifting at your age. It's not so you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You could not ever look like him if you wanted to. That's not what we're advocating. That's not what we're talking about. So um, part of it is just, it's just, you know, getting over that. And then the, uh, the, I think uh, body weight exercise and resistance bands, those are great. You know, you don't have to go to the gym. Most of the writing I do is on behalf of gyms. So I tend to, to write things that are, you know, have a subtle message of you should go to the gym. And there's a lot of good reasons to, they have all the equipment you need. They have people who can help you. They will show you the safe and proper way to use things. You find encouragement by working with other people, all these things, great reasons to do that. But if you would rather do yoga, if you would rather practice with your resistance bands, you know, more power to you. It's just do something to get that resistance workout in. And what about uh, warning signs or things to be careful of uh, when you're heading to the gym and, and starting with either a personal trainer uh, or a, a strength coach? Uh, are there certain okay. questions that you should ask to kind of get a better yeah. understanding of, of where they're coming from and their philosophy? Yeah, have a, you sit down and talk to them and, and see how they treat you. Because some trainers, the, the ones who I would not use, are going to talk to you like you're anybody and not really see you as an individual. And that's not because you're older and that's not because they're bad people. It's just that you know some people don't have a good approach to it. And if you feel like you're being put through a kind of the standard procedure and that you're not being seen as an individual, you know, then maybe that's not the right person for you. But if the, uh, if, the, if the trainer asks you, what are your goals? What brings you in here today? How do you feel? Tell me about your life. You know, starts out getting to know you a little bit and then ask some deeper questions. If you say, I want to lose 20 pounds, a good trainer should say, oh, why is that? 
Well, because, you know, my, my daughter's getting married now and look at in the wedding photos. Oh, okay, that's good to know. You might also reveal that you used to be teased when you were a little girl and you know, you, then you've never gotten over that. You know, and those kinds of conversations can be really helpful in, in getting to that why that is so important. So I would want you to find a trainer who's going to get, take the time to get to know you. I don't mean be your best friend or, or you know, I don't mean get to know all your secrets, but a little bit about your life and what you want to change and, and what you enjoy. That person should ask if you've had any operations, if you've had any joint replacements, if you're on medication. You know, if you're dealing with a fitness professional and you're over 50 and he doesn't ask you about your medical history, then that's not the person for you. Do you like him or her? You're going to be spending, what, an hour a day, two or three times a week with this person possibly? So you need to like them. Again, you don't need to be their best friend, but you need to be, I, I think it should be someone that you would enjoy because if you don't like them that's, or her, that's gonna be one more reason to not go. And a lot of times, if you give me one reason to not go, I would take it, right? Oh, it's raining out, they can't go to the gym. Oh, I don't like my trainer, you know, it, it doesn't matter. So find someone you like, and then if you're, you, you should check out what the, uh, what the trainer's credentials are. Now, a lot of trainers will tell you that they've got a list a mile long of certifications from various organizations. I don't think that, I'm, I'm not saying get down to that level, but they need to be certified by one of, one of the major certification organizations. And then you might also ask if they've got um, certification in training older people or in training people who have had cancer or training people who have gone through some specific issue that you might have. You don't have to, it might not be important to you, but if it is, ask. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful to find out that you're working with some, you know, if you've been through breast cancer and you're working with a trainer who's certified in how to help women who've been through breast cancer, that's really a, a good thing to know. So get to know the person a little bit. That's the main thing. And what about some red flags? Let's say we've gone through that uh, process and we found somebody who we really like. They're, they're very personable. Uh, we enjoy spending time with them. And we get two or three months in and some things are happening. Now, what are some considerations that we should think about? Like, okay, you know what? I'm normally a cyclist or triathlete. I'm out running, biking, swimming. I'm going to feel different things. My body's going to respond differently but what are some red flags or big yellow flags that you have seen uh, individuals have kind of waited too long to recognize and address things that, that should be screaming at you. Whereas, you know, for someone in their twenties or thirties, like that's okay. They'll get past that. Whereas, you know, over the age of 40, like, Holy crap, we've got to slow the bus down here because something is not going to go right. Do you mean about working with a trainer or just working out in general? Specifically with a trainer, but let's do both. Oh, okay. Well, with the trainer, I think if, if, you're, if your goal in going to the gym is to improve your triathlon or your cycling speeds or confidence or prevent injury, whatever it is specific to those sports, then that person should know it. And, and you might even want to have someone who's familiar with it. So a red flag would be someone who, whose answer to everything is lift more heavy weight do more sets, do more reps, do it harder, do it, do it, do it. You know, maybe not. Maybe that's really not what I need. Maybe my hamstrings are weak and that's holding me back in my, in my swimming. 
you know, what can you do to help me with that? Maybe it's some, some level up from, from just do it harder. That works with, if everyone you're dealing with is 25 years old, maybe that works. Squat more heavier, do more, grind it out. It's not gonna work if your goal is to improve your time or your athletic performance. So I would, that would be a big red flag for me. Um, and then as far as, as, as I'm progressing, I, you know, I think, again, depending on your goal and your, the level of intensity you have regarding your triathlon and your cycling, you should be having fun. If you're not having fun, then adjust that somehow. Um, and what your definition of fun might be different than mine. I don't care. Use your definition. And if you're not enjoying it, then, then tweak it somehow, you know, do something else, have a little fun with it. Talk to your trainer, get a new trainer, whatever it takes. Um, and you want to be having some sense that you're getting somewhere. And I think, I think you will. I've, I, you know, when, you, when you're working with a fitness professional, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel stronger. You're going to feel faster. If you're not, then that would be a red flag for me because I know a lot of trainers who, who will get you the results that you, that you want and you'll know it as it's happening. Um, and if so, if you're not, if you're three months with somebody and you haven't progressed at all, then that would be a red flag. Along with that, and that's a, a really, uh, not a sticking point, but something that does come up often is, um, oftentimes when I'm working with masters athletes who have had a desk job or done a lot of sitting or have poor posture, the, the changes take a little bit longer. And I try and be as transparent with them as possible about, look, you're going to start to feel different. What we're looking for is, and then it's a specific feeling for them. How do we, as trainers do a better job of, of sharing with our clients, Hey, your body's different than when it was in the twenties and thirties. So the changes are going to be different. And maybe it's not in your best interest to have this drastic change in your posture or your physique. We need to give the time for the body to, to adapt and for the habits to take. Is that something we should be thinking about as coaches and trainers or really, you know, find what works for that individual and just go with it. I think it's going to depend on each client and I'm not a trainer. So I, you know, I don't want to, wouldn't want to presume to tell you all what to do, but um, some people are going to want that kind of explanation and some don't, you know, just tell me what to do and I will do it. And if I hurt, I will tell you, if it's uncomfortable, I will tell you. Otherwise just, I don't, I paying you because you're the expert. Tell me what I need to do. And then some people are going to argue with you over everything and want to know, well, why am I doing this? And why am I doing with my toes out? And what do you mean keep my elbows in and you know they right i mean you get that kind of level of feedback i'm sure all the time so um i think if you go into a new either a new relationship or a new training period or begin with a different goal or something then the trainer and the client should be very clear with each other on what the goals are and that doesn't mean that the client says, I want to lose 50 pounds in two weeks because that ain't happening. But maybe the goal is, you know, I need to lose 50 pounds over the next year or so. And I sure would like to lose at least a couple in the next, in the first couple of weeks. 
you can do that. Any trainer in the world can do that for someone. So it's not shrugging off their goals initially just because it's helping them understand what's realistic so that they enjoy that success when they get what they want. Right. And, um, you know, as far as, as far as their bodies being different, you know, that's, again, that's going to be different with everyone because some people get it right away and some people fight it. And then some people just need to point it out one time and they go, Oh gosh, you're right. I never thought of it because I'll tell you something. If you talk to a man in particular, a man my age or so who's gotten out of shape, you say, oh, you know, tell me, when is, have you ever worked out? And I say, oh, yeah, I used to work out all the time back in college. I ran this speed and I lifted this much weight and all of that. So, yeah, I guess if I'm going to get back in shape, I better, I better get to where I can do all of that again. No, that's, that's not it. You know, think of a, what is a realistic thing? What is a realistic goal? And that's part of your job as a trainer to help me as a client understand that because you're the expert, I'm not. Well, speaking of, of realistic goals, how do we become better, more intelligent consumers of the articles and media that are out there for fitness? How, how are we, what would be some suggestions that you have for your years, from your years of writing to help us better be able to understand who the article is written towards and how maybe we should begin to take a step back and say, huh, I might want to try and tailor this a little bit more to, to me as opposed to who the author is, is speaking to. Yeah. Well, sometimes they'll label it, you know, they'll be very clear. If you're a 25 year old woman who's just had her first baby and you want to lose weight in time for your sorority reunion. Okay, good. Got it. This is for me or it's not for me. And everything I write for my subscribers at Prime Fit Content, I make it clear that this is for people who are 50 and older. I don't say baby boomers because that's not what we're talking about. I don't say golden oldies because I hate that. I don't say silver this or cute that or retirees or grandma and grandpa, nothing. It's over 50. Um, so I try to be very clear and most things should be very clear. But I think if you're reading something, you know, whatever you read, it's probably unlikely that every single point in what you read is going to be directly re relevant to you. Or so see, see, kind of glean what you can from it. If, and if something sounds ridiculous, it probably is. You know, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. There is no tea that will burn belly fat. There's no lollipop that will help you lose cellulite. There is not. I'm sorry to say it, but there just isn't. So, and you know that. So we all have BS meters. We all know nonsense when we see it. So when you're confronted with marketing or even a piece of journalism or an advertisement or something like that, you know, remember that you're a thinking intelligent person and it's, you have to kind of assess out, is this for me or is this for my daughter? Is this for me or is this for someone who uh, has diabetes and I don't have diabetes. So this article is not going to be relevant to me. You know, you can, you can generally tell and then just be aware of whether, whether someone's trying to get you to pay for anything, you know, um, like if you read, if you read an article that says, be sure you're drinking enough water, be sure you're eating a proper diet and be sure you're sleeping at night. Okay, good. Thank you. But if you're also saying, and be sure to order my super vitamin that will boost your recovery and be sure to 
drink my protein powder and be sure to um, take a bath in this concoction that I've come up with and send me your credit card number and I'll get it to you right away. Then that's kind of the, the big stink. I did, a, I, I did an article for WebMD recently on exercise recovery and I, as part of my research, I read a, a book called Good to Go um, about this science and art and BS of recovery. And I interviewed the author, a journalist, and that was her main point. I kept saying, well, how do I know if it's BS or not? And she said, the main thing is if they're asking for money, because you don't need money for a lot of stuff. Well, that, that's the thing that's really interesting is um, one of my, I guess we'll call it a crusade at this point is um, research articles have, and science has become the new religion where a lot of people don't really understand how to read a research article. They, they just read some conclusion, like recently here, um, drinking more than six cups of coffee a day uh, increases your risk for Alzheimer's. Well, actually, it's because you're not sleeping and you're drinking that much coffee. It's not the coffee itself. Nothing in that research is conclusive for that. But most people don't know to ask that next question of, well, what else could be there? And a lot of the research articles that are being produced now for fitness and health they're done on college age males, mostly. We're seeing more females now, thanks to Stacey Sims and others. But I see a lot of master's athletes who, who mean well. They're reading a lot of really good resources that, that, again, they mean well, but they're not taking the time or they don't know, like, hey, I can actually access this journal, the abstract, and find out who they did yeah. these research articles on. Oh, 26 to 32 year old males. How many females? Zero. Hmm, maybe this doesn't really apply to me. <laughs> but right. that's, that's where I see... You know, the, the BS meter, as, as you said, kind of goes off usually, and I'm very careful, or I try to be when I'm writing about a specific product or I mention it, it's more as in like, oh, if you want to try something X, and it seems like the BS meter for endurance athletes is much better for that, but they get really stuck on, well, the research article says, and it's in the American Journal of, of Sports Medicine, so it must be right, but they just right. know to ask, who was this done on and for how long and, and how? Is that something that you're seeing in the fitness world now as a writer that more people are citing these research articles and you're looking at that and you're reading it and you're doing the, and you're going, man, this is not, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's a tough one because I, I, it gets into a lot of, a lot of issues about, about the media and, and we all get so many sources now that it's hard to know what's real. Um, when we were younger, there you know, were fewer sources of information and, and the result was that the information was more reliable. Now on the internet, anybody can say anything and it goes viral or it gets picked up by some half-baked organization that calls itself a news organization and, and it's not. But when, the thing about studies or findings or however you want to put it, um, you can always read the, you should always be able to read the original report. They're not as hard to read as you might think. Um, and they will tell you the kind of, the level of information that you're looking for. Like you said, this, is, this was done on healthy white 22 year old women in Norway. That does probably, and even the, and even the researchers usually will go to great, to say this is not definitive this was not 
we did not have a full on control group or we worked on such a small sample that this is interesting, but it's not definitive. They either. So, so the other thing about surveys, one is you should read them yourself and they're pretty easy to find and pretty easy to read. And the other thing is that they're not definitive. So if you read something that says coffee causes Alzheimer's or whatever that was that you mentioned, well, first of all, your BS meter should be going off. And secondly, um, nothing is that definitive, you know, not there, except when I said that there's no tea or lollipop that will lose your belly fat, that's definitive. That's for real, that, that don't exist. You know, I think about Viagra in this kind of conversation. And that's because before Viagra was invented, men used to wish that there was something that they could do or take that would help them with erectile dysfunction. And there just wasn't. And there was a great deal of, you know, nonsense out there designed to separate men from their money in the, with the promises that they'd be better in bed if they took this pill or did this thing or whatever. Well, then when they invented Viagra, it was front page news on every newspaper in the country and it was on all the networks and everyone was talking about it and the FDA endorsed it and every country's health organization endorsed it and science said, yes, this is real. And now you can take Viagra for, and it helps with your erectile dysfunction. So if there's ever a study that says coffee causes Alzheimer's and this is definitive and we know it to be true and it is the real deal and we're not joking anymore, we're not just putting something out because it's interesting, anything that's really definitive is gonna be presented in such a different way. If ever a tea is invented that will burn your belly fat, it will be the biggest news of the week. Everyone will know about it. Your doctor will prescribe it. Your public grocery store will carry it. There'll be no doubt. So I would say those two things. Read the, read the, the core uh, research and, um, and uh, realize that nothing's definitive. Also, one other thing I wanna put in a, a plug for legitimate news organizations since it's kind of my background. Um, look at what you're reading. If you're reading the New York Times or you're reading abcnews.com or you're, you know, you're reading the National Review or something substantial and legitimate, then they're going to present all of these qualifiers that I've just talked to and they're gonna present a link to the original research. If you're reading something on Buzzsprout that talks about which Golden Girls character are you? Oh, and by the way, they shouldn't be drinking coffee because don't they know it causes Alzheimer's? You know, that's, that's an important part of it. Well, you hit on uh, kind of the underlying theme from that question, and that is you have to look at who the, who the source is, where it is, and if it really does what, they, what they're saying it's going to, and it's that big of life-changing, it's going to be a lot of places that are trustworthy. And that's kind of what I was getting at because um, there's a lot of pay-for-play research articles. Yes. And I can sniff them out at this point where I just look at, I'm like, yeah, that's either the journal it's printed in. Cause there are some that are very clear, you know, you, you pay $5,000, you can print Donald duck was actually Pluto. <laughs> you know, like you can literally print everything, but a lot of the masters athletes who mean well uh, are getting sucker punched. Uh, and it really is sucker punched because they're like, Oh, this research article says this. And they spend a lot of money or a lot of time doing this thing. And then I hear three, six, 12 months later, hey, I read this research article, da, 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 and I'm getting worse. Like, well, yeah. 
So that was something, you know, as a writer yourself, a professional in the field to, to, to say that. Well, Jay, we've covered a lot here. We talked about um, really getting into to fitness and how it's relatively new. Uh, John Travolta's role in the fitness trend as well. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to focus on Bruce Springsteen's role, but that's okay. We can talk about Travolta if you want. Well, 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 I, I will put that in the show notes. Okay. Springsteen's role in fitness. Um, we, we talked a lot about uh, missing workouts and how that, that can be uh, important and being aspirational, as well as things to look for in a coach and a gym and, and how that as you go through finding a good, tra good trainer very much starts with the, the relationship and trust and them seeing you as a person. If you were to kind of look uh, ahead, what would be the top one or two things that the listeners can do for the next two weeks that will help them get fitter, faster, or stronger? Oh, interesting. You know, I think it's good to take stock. Take a moment and take stock, especially since a lot of your listeners are probably very direct, direct action-oriented types and they have a goal and they want to do this time by this race and all of that. So it's easy when you're in that kind of process to forget to just stop for a minute and think, how am I doing? Let me look at my log. Have I improved my times? Let me look at my diet. Am I hitting my macros? Let me look at my sleep records. Am I, am I getting enough sleep? You know, you might learn that you're doing great. Well, isn't that good to know? You might learn that you need to make a little adjustment. Well, that's good to know too. And then I, I think, you know, focus on, um, always the basics because that's going to get you through all the times when you're trying out something new because you think it might work or you read an article that said it might help. No, maybe it will. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe it's carries no scientific value, but it helps you in some psychological way. You know, if you, I don't think you need Gatorade, but if you like Gatorade, go ahead and drink it. You know, it's not going to matter, but, but focus on the basics of recovery that's hydration and sleep and eating a good, a good diet. And I know that sounds basic and boring, but um, that's what I would tell someone to do because I think we forget, you know, we, we just forget. We get so caught up in our personal bests and our reps and our times and our splits and, you know, just stop and get back to the basics. Absolutely love it, Jay. Uh, this has been awesome, man. Uh, can you share where the folks can find you, your content and connect with you and, and follow you? Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. My business is Prime Fit Content. So it's prime like the prime of your life, fit content. So you can go to primefitcontent.com and learn more about the material that I make available to gyms and studios and other professionals who want to help people over 50 be healthy. And I have a podcast called the Optimal Aging Podcast. So check that out. We'd love you to listen and subscribe and let me know what you think of it. And also I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram. So would love to connect there as well. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. This was fantastic, man. Hey, I enjoyed it. It was my pleasure. Good talking to you. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com 
or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HV Training. Until next time, remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.